Thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning. Thank you for joining us on live stream. We are so glad to be with you. As I know, God has got a special message for each and every one of us. You know, last week we talked about our purpose as a church. As we go through this series of who are we, we're trying to get to know ourselves better as a church so that we can then have a good direction moving forward, a plan to move forward, a plan that will enable us to do ministry in a very, very difficult world that we're living in, ministry that can no longer look like what it once looked like. The, the same methods, the same things that we used to do don't necessarily work anymore. We live in an ever more isolated society, a society that may not prefer you to come on their front doorstep anymore, a society that is more skeptical of strangers and people who may wish to come and speak to them. So here at Pole Creek, we are wanting to see how can we better reach our community. In order to do that, we need to know ourselves better. So last week, we talked about our purpose. We talked about how our purpose as a church, the reason that we exist, is to love and glorify God, to lead others to Christ, and to grow in the Holy Spirit. Well, today, I want us to look at our mission, our new mission statement. See, a mission is the practical way to achieve our purpose. How are we going to be who we have been called to be? How are we going to be who God has called our church to be? Well, our mission is those practical steps, that practical statement that says this is how we're going to be who we need to be. So if you're sitting there with me this morning, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11, and we're going to read through verse 16. We're going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to talk about this passage. I'm going to give you just a quick moment to find your place there in your Bible. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. Read along with me. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with the cleverness in the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Pray with me. God, we love you so much. And Lord, we are so, so thankful God, that even in the midst of a difficult time in our community, God, that we're still able to have worship on live stream. Lord, we're thankful that you have given us the ability to be able to reach our community. And God, as we continue to learn who we are as a church, God, I pray that you would lead us into a passion to see lost souls saved in the Candler community, in the state of North Carolina, in the United States of America, and Lord, across planet Earth. Lord, help us as a church to have a passion like never before, burning deep within us. God, we know that there is a lost and a dying world around us, that our community is suffering, that there is hopelessness and darkness, God, in our community. But Lord, we're so thankful that we know you are the light of the world, and God, you have saved us, not just to keep us out of hell, but for a purpose that we might tell others about you. 
So God, as we talk about our mission as a church, our objective, Lord, the practical way that we can fulfill our purpose as a church, Lord, help us to grow to a place where we are not okay with the status quo. God, help us come to a place where we long to see sinners saved. And God, we entrust this service into your hands, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to take you back to May the 2nd, 2011. You may not know the date right off, but the moment I begin telling you of this event, it'll immediately come back to your mind. It was May 2nd, 2011, when the Navy SEAL Team 6 achieved a long-awaited objective in Pakistan. It's probably coming back to you now, right? It was the elimination of Osama bin Laden. The overall operation, when the Navy SEALs landed into the compound of bin Laden, the overall operation from start to finish was 40 minutes. But did you know that it took years to prepare for that mission? Years of gathering intelligence, years of planning, years of research. The SEAL Team 6 even trained in a replica facility of the compound that Osama bin Laden was believed to be hiding in a month before the actual mission even took place. Let me ask you this question. What would have happened if the Navy SEAL Team 6 had landed in the compound of Osama bin Laden without a mission? without an objective, without any type of planning, without any type of understanding of what they needed to achieve when they got there. It would have been a failure. It would have been mass chaos. But because they had a mission and a clear understanding of what they needed to do, 40 minutes they intercepted and and carried out a precision attack that took out the most dangerous terrorists in the world. And it took 40 minutes minutes. Wow. Amazing. Amazing at what the objective accomplished. They achieved their mission. Now I want you to think about Pole Creek. I want you to think about our church here in the community of Candler. Let's say that we just blatantly, without any type of understanding of our mission, said, you know what, we're going to change the world. And we left it at that. I would assume that we're probably not going to do much changing that we're probably not going to be able to do much of anything. Yeah, it sounds great. We're going to change the world. It sounds great, but how are we actually going to do it? What is our mission? What are we trying to achieve? Well, that's why a mission statement is so important. So this morning, I want to share with you Pole Creek's new mission statement moving forward. Write this down. I think it's very important for us to remember And I'll continue to revisit our purpose statement and our mission statement time and time again throughout the year and even into the following years. Our mission is to disciple, equip, and encourage our church family to impact Candler and beyond with the gospel. Let me say that again. Our mission is to disciple, equip, and encourage our church family to impact Candler and beyond with the gospel. Now, encompassed in this statement, we have a mission. We now have a way of moving forward that is going to help us to achieve our mission and ultimately to fulfill our purpose as a church. So as we look through Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, I want us to break down our new mission statement and see how it is biblical and how it is prescribed in the Word of God. 
So the first part of our mission statement that I want us to hone in on is disciple. Our mission is to disciple. And we're going to find that in verses 13 through 14 in Ephesians chapter 4. So go back to the scripture there in Ephesians chapter 4 and let's look at verses 13 and 14 again. Here Paul says, Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness, then we will no longer be tossed about like little children by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning and cleverness in the techniques of deceit. You know, discipleship is such an important aspect of church life. And you might be asking, well, Ben, you know, that's a neat little church word, but what does that actually mean? Well, to disciple means to teach. Now, in the, the first century and even before that, many of your famous philosophers, teachers, they would have those who would follow them. They would basically devote their life to the study of that particular teacher's philosophies or theology. And they would be known as disciples of that teacher. Well, Jesus himself, we know, also had disciples, those who followed him, those who invested their life into his teachings. And what a disciple is, is a disciple is one who follows the teachings of another and takes it to heart and allows it to transform them and change them. So as we talk about discipling our church family so that our church family can impact the world for the gospel, what we're talking about is we're talking about investing in our people in a way that disciples them and grows them into maturity, into the understanding of the word of God. See, the word of God is very powerful. The Bible teaches us that it's like a two-edged sword and it divides the very division between bone and marrow. It divides us. It shows and reveals who we are from the very depths of our heart. So when we invest in the word of God, the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, the teachings of our God of heaven, it grows us and it matures us in a way that prepares us to go and do the work of God. Now, it's very, very difficult to understand some one who maybe serves in the military, who never went through basic training. You might would say, wait a minute, the, the most fundamental part of being a soldier is that you have to go through that long time of basic training, that difficult time where the military molds you, transforms your mind in a way that you are able to be a successful soldier. Well, the same thing should apply to the church. As we look at trying to achieve our mission as a church, trying to impact the world for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, it would be absolutely foolish for us to tell our people to go out and change the world, to go out and tell the gospel without first investing in them, training them and teaching them in the word of God, something that will mature them and give them a solid footing as they go out to achieve the objective and the mission of this church. See, here in the book of Ephesians, Paul is actually in prison as he's writing this book. And if you read through the entire book of Ephesians, you're going to find that the book of Ephesians is essentially a form of discipleship. Here, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus and he's saying, these are the ways that you should conduct ministry. This is how you should prepare your heart for ministry. And this is what is important. And these are the things you need to be careful of and watch out for. See, here at Pole Creek, we have got to do the same thing for our church family. We have got to prepare you so that you can go out and achieve the mission. If we don't prepare you, then it would be like us sending out a soldier into combat 
with no training. And we cannot be so foolish as to do that. We know that there is a battle waging around us, that this world is experiencing what is known as the spirit of Antichrist. It's a world system and a world acknowledgement and understanding. It's a spirit of deception that is present in our world that is blinding people to the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, causing them to be blind and to reject truth, to suppress truth, to not understand who the true Christ is. So we, as we engage a world that is plagued by the spirit of Antichrist, we cannot go out unprepared. Spiritual warfare is serious and it's real. There is a battle waging right now for the souls of mankind. And when we go into battle, we need to understand what we're coming up against. We need to understand how to combat it and how to effectively engage people so that they can understand and realize their need for the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the church at Ephesus here that Paul was writing to was a church that was very cultural, very multi-ethnic, and it was an, a culture that was really ingrained in idol worship. We've talked about this several times. Ancient Greece, ancient Rome, just absolutely entrenched and immersed in idol worship. They had so many idols, you couldn't even name them all if you tried to. You would be walking through the streets of Ephesus, and you would see idol after idol, temple after temple. And they were so ingrained in idol worship that Paul was trying to bring them to a place of discipleship to where they were able to go into a community that did anything and everything that worshipped idol after idol and actually be able to effectively evangelize that community. You think about the city of Asheville today. The city of Asheville may be different as far as Ephesus goes and that maybe there's not idols standing everywhere. Maybe there's not temples everywhere. But Asheville is a city that is very entrenched in the Eastern religious mindset, mysticism, Buddhism, Hinduism, all of these different Eastern religions have really come together in the city of Asheville, our city, just miles from Candler where I'm preaching at today. And when we think about engaging the city of Asheville with the gospel, and believe me, Pole Creek is called to engage Asheville with the gospel because God has put us here to reach our community. We must be prepared as we enter into those types of platforms and formats that we understand what we're getting into. It's, it's not the same in going in maybe a, a subdivision here in Candler and witnessing to a family. It's a lot different when you go into the city of Asheville. It's a different culture. And Paul understood that the church in Ephesus was in a culture that was opposed to the understanding and the truth of the word of God. I want you to think about what Jesus did during his three-year ministry on earth. Yes, Jesus preached to very large crowds, but that was not the common practice. That was not what you see the most in Jesus' ministry. What you saw more than anything is Jesus dealing one-on-one -on -one or in small groups with a select few people. See, he had 12 disciples, and he poured himself into these 12 men for three years. And you know what happened when Jesus ascended to heaven? And the Holy Spirit came down in Pentecost. And those disciples, those men he had poured himself into went out and did ministry. They evangelized the known world. You said, well, Jesus could have done that, right? Of course Jesus could have done that very same thing by himself. But he understood the importance of discipling others to do the work of ministry. And it worked beautifully. Now that was just 12 men that evangelized the known world of that time. 
how much more so if we were able to send out a group like the size of Pole Creek Baptist Church and we were able to evangelize the world. It can happen, but there's got to be discipleship. You have got to grow in your faith so that you can effectively do ministry. I want you to look at how Moses even discipled Joshua in Deuteronomy chapter 34 verse 9. Here's what it says about Moses and Joshua. Joshua the son of Nun was filled with the spirit of wisdom. Why? Because Moses had laid his hands on him so the Israelites obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. See what was happening here was Moses was about 120 years old. The children of Israel had been set free from bondage in Egypt and they have roamed in the wilderness for 40 years. And now God had shown grace upon them and had brought them out of the wilderness and they were about to cross the Jordan River into the land that God had promised their father Abraham many, many years before. And as Moses knew that he was not going to be able to go into the promised land, God had instilled in Moses a desire to disciple a young man by the name of Joshua who would carry the mantle of Moses beyond Moses' life. So now Joshua had been prepared by Moses. He had been discipled by Moses. And now he was ready to lead what many believe was about a million Israelites across the Jordan River to possess the land that God had set before them. This was a big task, but God had put in the heart of Moses to disciple a man that that objective, that that calling would continue after Moses' death. We must do the same thing. Discipleship is about teaching. It is about teaching the word of God. You know, I've been doing some studying on our founding, the, the founding of our nation, and how Christianity played a huge role during that time period in our nation's history. And I'm not going to say that every one of our founders were Christians because many of them actually were not. But one thing is very clear about the people of America during colonial times. The biblical literacy was through the roof. You could have been preaching about an obscure event in the book of Judges to a random group in colonial America and you would not have had to explain what you were talking about. They would have understood and knew exactly what you're talking about. They knew the Bible so much more than we do today. They had it as part of their culture, as part of their tradition. They invested in the Word of God. Children grew up knowing the stories of the Bible. Many young children back in colonial times would put many of us adults to shame with how much Bible they knew. They were taught the word of God. And today I think many issues that we have in our society is because we are so biblically illiterate. We don't teach our children like we should. We don't disciple our families like we should anymore. We don't make the word of God an integral part of our everyday lives anymore. We spend more time watching Netflix. We spend more time watching YouTube TV. We spend more time reading the newspaper. We spend more time thinking about how we can buy more stuff. We spend more time working to try to earn extra money to buy more stuff than we ever do reading the word of God. And then we step back and we look at our world and we say, how did we ever get to the place that we're at? It's very clear. We have forsaken the word of God as a people. And we here at Pole Creek have got to get back to the basics of understanding that our objective must be to disciple our people. And in order to disciple our people, we must teach the word of God. Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 through 20 are essential to the mission of the New Testament church. 
Follow along with me beginning in verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything. Did you hear that? Teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Those are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is commanding the disciples upon his departure to teach the nations of the world. Make disciples out of the nations of the world and then teach them to observe everything I have commanded you. Are we teaching our people to observe everything that the Lord Jesus Christ has commanded us in his word? Are we really achieving that mission? Are we achieving that objective? I promise you, in order for us to reach Candler, in order for us to reach Asheville, in order for us to reach our state, our nation, and our world, we must teach the Word of God. Because if we don't, we are sending our people into a world of darkness ill-prepared. We must invest in the Word of God. We must disciple our people. So that's the first part, really, the first segment of our mission statement, to disciple our people. But secondly, you'll probably see there in the mission statement, is that we want to equip. So our mission is to disciple and to equip. To equip. In verses 11 through 12, we can really see this playing out in Ephesians chapter 4. Follow along with me, beginning in verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 4. It says this, And he himself, talking about God, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. Equipping. Here's one thing I've noticed. Anytime you have a mission or an objective or something you're trying to achieve, there are certain tools that you need. Now, they may not be physical tools that you can touch and feel, but you need certain equipment to achieve your mission. It's essential. If you don't have the right tools, more than likely, you're going to fall flat on your face. Did you know that the church has been given pastors as resources and as a way to equip you, the church, to do the work of ministry? That me being one of your pastors, and Pastor Steve and Pastor Chase, our children's minister, Tara, or our women's minister, Kelly, you have been given these ministers as a means of of resource so that you can be taught and loved and encouraged and equipped to do the work that God has called you to do. Did you hear that specific uh, verbiage there in verse 11? And he gave himself some to be apostles, prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. The, the pastors and ministers are a gift to the local church as leadership to help in the discipleship process to equip you, to prepare you so that you can go out and achieve the mission so that we as a church can fulfill our purpose. You know, uh, my son Henry's birthday was a few days ago and uh, last week we um, got him a basketball goal to go in the driveway. And you know, you think about when you look at a basketball goal, you know, one of those that have the base that you can fill with water or sand and you set it up in your driveway. You look at that thing and it doesn't look like it would take that many parts and nuts and bolts to put it together. Wouldn't you agree with me? And that was my impression. You know, the box was shipped. You know, I'm thinking, oh yeah, man, this thing will go together in like 
10 minutes. You know, I'll just have to put a couple pieces together, stand it up, and we're good to go. Well, I open this box, and there is probably about a thousand nuts, bolts, screws, plastic parts, metal parts, parts I didn't even know were necessary to go into a basketball goal if you just want to know the truth. It ended up taking me into midnight to put that thing together. Freezing cold outside. And one thing that I noticed when I was putting that basketball goal together was that the, the genius that designed that goal decided not to use the same size nuts and bolts for every part on that goal. So I was tasked with the, the objective, I guess you could say, to go through my toolbox and find several different sockets so that I could make sure to have the right size socket for every bolt and every screw that I had to put into that basketball goal. So I'd put a couple of screws in one location, then I'd get some more screws to start putting in their location. Oh no, it's a different size. So then I have to go and I have to find different sized sockets. The right tools are necessary. Believe me, I can tell you that from personal experience. You know, another thing that you need, you know, yes, you need tools, but you need opportunities. In a lot of ways, opportunities are just as important as the tools that you have. Because what opportunities do is they launch you into passion for a particular ministry. And at Pole Creek, we have got to be a church that as we are equipping you, we are equipping you by providing opportunities for you to do ministry. I want you to think about that in several different contexts. When you think about Feed the Hunger that we take part in, that is giving you the opportunity to partake in mission activities where you don't have to go very far from your home because, let's be honest, not all of us were called to go to Africa. Not all of us are called to go to Honduras. Not all of us are called to go to Russia or China. Some of us are called to serve in the context of our community right where we are, and that's okay. That doesn't make you any less of a Christian, any less passionate about the Word of God. That is perfectly fine. So at church, here at Pole Creek, we've got to provide you with opportunities that you can exercise your t uh, talents and your gifts and your understanding of ministry so that you can fulfill your passions. But also, we want to provide people who maybe want to do relief work in, in the eastern part of the state. Or we want to provide you with um, opportunities. Maybe if you have a passion for a different part of our country. Maybe Vermont or maybe Maine or maybe Montana or, or somewhere else. Or maybe some of our metropolitan areas. Maybe you have a passion for those areas. We need to provide opportunities for you. Some of you may have uh, these passions to witness and evangelize people who are completely different culturally, completely different ethnically. Maybe you have a passion for Ecuador or Honduras. Whatever it may be, part of the equipping that we want to partake in in our church family in order to bring you to a place to impact the world with the gospel is to give you the tools you need but also to give you opportunities to exercise your gifts and talents. I'll be honest with you. I never had as much of a passion for missions until I went on a mission trip. And I didn't just jump in halfway. I jumped in with both feet. My very first mission trip was back in 2007 when I went to South Africa. Yes, you heard me right. South Africa. Across the Atlantic Ocean at the very bottom of the continent of Africa. But you know what? That experience equipped me in a way to have a passion for ministry that I would not have had otherwise. And I am so thankful for that opportunity. So here at Pole Creek, I know right now it's very difficult to engage in a lot of mission trips with our current situation as a nation. But our goal is to provide opportunities for you, our church, as a means to equip you 
Now, if you see there in verse 12, as we continue to talk about equipping our church to impact the world for the gospel, verse 12 tells us, again, what that end goal is. Equipping the saints for the ministry. Why? What, what for? Who cares, right? This is why. To build up the body of Christ. Remember our mission statement? That we are wanting to disciple, we are wanting to equip, we are wanting to do these things in order to impact the world with the gospel. We're here, the scripture is saying that the saints must be equipped in order to build up the body of Christ. We are wanting to grow the body of Christ. And how do we grow the body of Christ? Go back to Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. Make disciples. Jesus commanded us to go, therefore, and make disciples. How do you make disciples? How do you bring someone into a relationship with Jesus? You share the gospel. The proclamation of the gospel, that is our mission. That we would disciple and equip our people so that they can then go and impact the world. The last part of our mission statement that I want us to look at this morning, an essential part of equipping our church, an essential part of our mission is to encourage our church family to encourage our church family. Yes, you need discipleship. Yes, you need to be equipped, but you need to be encouraged. And I'm not going to be the first to say this, as you already well know, that this world is not always apt to encourage us. Sometimes it will encourage us, but in the wrong way. But you know what? The church needs to be a place where you as a church family can come You can be discipled, you can be equipped, but you can be loved on and encouraged in a way that when you leave the church family to go about your business to achieve the mission, that you feel loved, that you feel included, and that you feel a part of a family. You know, many times in our lives, we're going to go through times when we don't feel like doing what's right. We don't feel like doing what we know we've been called to do. And you know what? In those times, encouragement is more important than ever. We never want our church to be a place where people come to and they leave more beat up and more down than when they got here. We want this to be a place where you leave refueled, reignited, and ready to engage the world for the mission that God has set before us. So encourage, encourage. We're going to find that in verses 15 and 16 of Ephesians chapter 4. So follow along with me. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 15 through 16. Here's what the Bible says. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part you know right there I love the fact that God is encouraging us in verse 15 to speak the truth in love we certainly live in a world that definitely wants to hear the love they want to be loved on when someone asks your advice or opinion many times they don't really want true advice they just want maybe some encouragement to make them think that the way they wanted to go to begin with is the way that they should go But did you know that when you're going to truly encourage someone, that you don't just need to show them love. You don't just need to speak love, but you need to speak truth in love. Because here's what happens. If we don't have truth and love, let's say we have all truth. We lose the love, we have all truth. We become legalistic and rigid and even mean, right? 
But then if all we ever do is love, 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 and there's no truth, then we become liberal. We become uh, bleeding hearts, and we become people who enable others to continue in their destructive ways. But when we include the two together, truth and love, it is a beautiful combination that actually benefits those that we're speaking to. Here in Ephesians, God knows this very well, and he knows that the objective of the local church is to speak the truth in love. That's our mission. And as we prepare you to go and to achieve the mission of the church, your pastors and your leadership, your Bible study teachers, your fellow brothers and sisters in this church, we must be about truth in love to each other. Listen, it is my duty as a believer that if I see my brother struggling in sin or I see my brother doing things that are harmful to him, I should go to him in love and speak the truth because I love him so much that I don't want to see him hurt himself. That's part of being encouraged in the local church. You may ask yourself, well, Ben, can you really encourage someone by telling them something that they don't want to hear? The answer is yes. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes when you speak the truth in love, it's not taken very lovingly. The person that you're speaking the truth in love to may not particularly like what you say to them. But let me be very clear about this. When you speak to someone the truth in love, they may not like it at first, but I promise you that it will benefit that person. And it will result in encouragement when it's all said and done, but it must be done in love. I know there have been many times in my life personally when I have been going down the wrong road. And God always seems to put the right person in my path at the right time. I'll think I'm getting away with something. I'll think that maybe, hey, I finally figured out what it means to just live my life and do my thing. I remember I faced that a lot back in my high school years where I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to be my own God and I just wanted to live my life and have as much fun as I could. But you know what? God wouldn't quite let me get away with that. And he would strategically put people in my life who I didn't feel like it was very encouraging at the time, but they would speak the truth to me in love. And did you know that eventually God brought me out of that sinful lifestyle? He brought me back into fellowship with himself, and he used people who encouraged me with truth in love. Today, that's what Pole Creek must be about. As we disciple and as we equip and as we encourage, we must be a people who build each other up in the truth and the love of the word of God. Verse 16 talks about this. Let's look at verse 16. Talk about promoting the growth of the body. Ephesians 4 verse 16. From him the whole body fitted and knitted together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body. Did you hear that? Encouragement, love, Listen there, that wording. Promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love. In love. Love is key there. See, we can't just speak the truth in a rigid, mean way. It must be in the spirit of love. And what happens is, is when we speak the truth in love and we encourage each other, the body of Christ grows in its maturity. The church itself becomes stronger and becomes more able and prepared to achieve the mission that God has set before us in a lost and a dying world. In the battle, the waging battle for souls, that is how we encourage each other. So today, as a church, 
I want us to really ponder our mission today. As we have this new mission statement set before us, as we talked about our purpose and the reason that we exist last week, I pray that we will take these statements to heart and that we will filter everything that we do through these biblical statements so that we can effectively and efficiently achieve the purpose that God has set before us, that we could fulfill that purpose and we could fulfill it by achieving our mission that is set before us. Remember what our mission is? Our mission is to disciple, equip, and encourage our church family to impact Candler and beyond with the gospel. Today, I just want to say thank you again for joining us here on live stream. I hope that this sermon has impacted you in a special way. I hope that today, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you've not been sharing your faith, maybe no one's ever discipled you and you need some more intense discipleship. We have groups available for you at Pole Creek. You can email me at ben at polecreek.org and I can be sure to get you into a discipleship group that is going to help you grow to a place of maturity so that you feel like and feel confident enough that you can achieve the mission that God has set before us. I also want to encourage you today, you might be out there watching and maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. Well, today you can come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches us that for whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible teaches us that God so loved the world, he so loved you, that he gave his only son so that you can be saved, so that you don't have to perish and die in your sin. And all you have to do to accept Jesus is to trust him by faith and Basically, just say to him, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and that I need salvation. Jesus, I know you died for me and rose again. Will you save me today? I commit my life to you and I repent of my sins. He'll save you today if you'll do that. You may be watching and maybe today you've accepted Jesus. Maybe you want to know what it means to be baptized by immersion. Well, today you can simply text the word SAVED to the phone number 828-373-1940. There'll be a link sent to you. Click on the link, send some information, and we'll follow up with you to make sure that you know what the next steps are. Maybe today you want to get involved in a small group here at Pole Creek, or you even want to know about joining our church, where you can text the word CONNECT, text the word CONNECT to the phone number 828-373-1940. You'll be sent a link. Fill out the information and we'll also be contacting you about what it means to join one of our small groups or join our church officially here at Pole Creek because we want you to consider making Pole Creek your home. So I'll dismiss in prayer. I hope you have a wonderful day. God bless you. Dear Lord Jesus, we love you. God, we are thankful for the mission that you've set before us, Lord. Lord, as we look to disciple and equip our church, as we look to encourage our church family so that they can impact Candler, and the world beyond with your gospel. I pray, Lord, that you would keep us focused. God, that you would keep us safe, that you would protect us, that you would protect our hearts and our minds from the evil and the wickedness that would wish to deter us from that mission that you've set before us. Help us, God, to fulfill our purpose as a church, Lord. Lord, help us to love you and glorify you, to lead others to Christ and to grow in the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be a light to our communities. Lord, help as many as possible be saved through the ministries of Pole Creek this year. And Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much.